Aria from Games, Brains and Headbanging Life with a brand new episode of Desert Island Dregs, the first of 2021, the show where our guests or guests must choose three video games or books, depending upon their taste, their three horror movies that is stuck with horror and three records that they would take in a desert island with them. Our guests today, Brisbane Metal Quintet Dark Law, a group that blends fantasy with the harshness of thrash metal, thick and grimy touch of black and death and some elements of symphonic metal in two. There's a hell of a lot going on with Dark Lord. And as of the time of recording, we're a matter of days away from the release of the brand new album, The Evil of Man, out on January 29th, 2021. Gents, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. First things first, we'll start with you, Raven Dark. How's your, how's your year been so far? Uh, Very, very busy. I mean, uh, with the with the upcoming album release, uh, I find that it's basically all I'm focusing on in my spare time is uh, just on all the promotion that goes into it. Really, mm. um, we got our uh, actual live performance uh, the day after on uh, the Saturday coming up. So, uh, if I'm not promoting for the the release of the actual album, I'm promoting for the the, the launch show. So. Yeah, it's been absolutely crazy, but um, in saying that, I absolutely love it. Excellent. And yourself, big off. Uh, yeah, it's uh, been pretty uh, full on, I guess. Just promoting like almost every day, trying to get people to come along and sell tickets to our launch show, and you know, just doing that basically. It is the pre pre the preparation for release of an album, no matter the size of the band, be you arena selling out worldwide or localized in whatever scene you are. Everyone's got to do it, right? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So, of course, you know, we can't really start any interview off without talking about the big elephant in the room that has been the focus of every interview start, which is, of course, Living in COVID times, how have you guys been holding up throughout this pandemic? Yeah, um, well, we're very fortunate over here in uh, in Brisbane and Australia in general. It obviously hasn't been as big as or as painful as it has in a lot of other countries, you know. So uh, we're very, very fortunate, very, very few cases of it um especially in queensland uh but but in saying that i mean yes it's really affected our progress uh i mean we were originally launching our album uh, april in oh, wow. 2019 oh, yeah wow. and um actually actually uh restrictions happened about two weeks before the show and uh, we had some interstate bands on the bill and everything, and uh, it all just fell apart. So, uh, yeah, there was quite a time for, for us where we couldn't do anything because, you know, the rehearsal studios weren't even open. Uh, you know, we couldn't do anything at all. Um, and uh, eventually, when things started quieting down with COVID over here a little bit, uh, we were looking at launching our album in uh, October but then again as it came closer to the date there were more scares more restrictions kicked in and uh, the promoters it was a no-go the show so <laughs> we've been a little bit uh, 
nervous now because uh, we yet again, just a couple of weeks ago, um, everything went back into lockdown over a weekend and uh, there were gigs um, surrounding ours that had cancelled as well and we're, we're just sort of thinking, oh God, not again. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, it's been very fortunate for us in, in a lot of respects, um, you know, so we're, we're very grateful for uh, where we're currently living at the moment. It's, it's been great. We've been you could almost say unaffected in comparison to so many other parts of the world um but i mean yes it's still perfect it's still affected our progression overall so yeah yeah it's it's still been tough yeah okay i'm glad it's been working out you got anything to add there uh no not really i mean you know i'm just glad that uh the uh, last lockdown didn't affect uh, our launch coming up this uh, next weekend you know, if it was uh, two weekends ago, the show would have been cancelled yet again. So we're uh, pretty lucky with the date. Yeah, would that have, if that had happened, would you, I mean, I guess at this stage, you, you wouldn't have delayed the album release again. You would have just stuck with this, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. yeah would have just set it out. <laughs> yeah, 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 at this point, yeah, all the way back. Because, I mean, you've been sitting on this record for a long bloody time then. I'll, I'll imagine, uh, are you kind of at the point where you're sick of it? Or you just, get, you know, you just kind of want to move on? Is it that kind of situation? A, a little bit. I mean, you know, um, all, all the songs on this album we've been playing for, for quite a long time now. And we've sort of had the agreement that we're not releasing any more material until the launch is done. And and some of the new songs that we've been working on are absolutely killers, you know, like that, that's all I've been waiting for is like that moment to start releasing new material. And, um, and we haven't been uh, because we've agreed to launch our album first. So yeah, yeah, we've been a little bit sort of like, uh, we, we just want it to happen. <laughs> completely fair so i mean let's dive a little bit into the background then just for people who may not be aware of you and so on and the wider world particularly here in the uk where you know the aussie scene doesn't really reach us as much as it should beyond the obvious gigantic names that have existed forever um who wants to go in a little bit of detail about the background of dark law because you're not exactly you're not a new band you're not strangers to and stuff music and stuff like that yeah, we've, we've been around in the local scene for quite some time. Um, I originally started forming Dark Law in uh, 2013, so quite a while ago. Uh, my thought process at that time, I had been away from the lo from from the live scene for quite a while, yeah. and uh, you know, going out seeing a lot of bands, uh, I sort of started missing it, you know. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just start another band. Um, <laughs> so I got, I um, I got Hargoth here, who was actually my uh, brother by blood, and I uh, I said, uh, okay, I'm starting a new band. If you want to join me for the glory, let's do it now. And uh, <laughs> he said yes. And then uh, after that, I periodically started getting, you know, a, a full lineup together. Uh, that was uh, Nerevar on drums. He joined in uh, November 2013, and then. Morgath on keyboards joined in January uh, 2014. And that was our full lineup for the longest time. We had a few years of solid gigs. And then we eventually agreed that uh, let's let's get a second guitarist to uh, 
really sort of thicken our sound for, for live performances and, and then maybe we can sort of utilize the guitars a little bit more. So we ended up having Luna join literally like a month after we started recording our album. Mm. Uh, so she, she missed out on the recording process of The Evil Man. Um, but um, she, her first performance was uh, in 2019 with us opening for uh, Trollfest, which is a great band from, from Norway. So, I mean, that, that was awesome, you know, like <laughs> for a first performance, that's, that's cool. Playing for an international band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no yeah. Band, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a uh, crazy journey. Um, but uh, yeah, so we very, we've been around for a while, but the, the first few years, the, the goal was to get a lineup and play some shows and uh, not really much, uh, much else past that, you know, but um, I think we found uh, after every show, we we're obviously getting better. We started getting a little bit more of a following every show and, um, you know, the, the praises uh, started going from, uh, oh, you guys were good to, uh, you guys are the best band I've ever seen, you know, and uh, and that really started ramping up when we uh, supported uh, Omnium Gatherum uh, just a couple of years back. And, and since then, we've just been striving to really make each performance 10 million times better than the last. And that, that's really been our drive. So, uh, yeah, it's been very exciting. Here we go what interested you so i mean obviously you're related by blood and but surely there must have been something about the plan with dark lord that you went okay you know what this is what i'm, I'm game for and did your background were you in bands beforehand oh hold on hold on i can't hear you lost your sound uh. Can you hear me better now? Yep, there you go. Yep. All right. Sweet. Sorry about that. All right. Um, yeah, I wasn't in a band prior because um, I was... Uh, uh, when me and Brennan started Dark Lore, I was 17. So, you know, uh, kind of fresh out of high school kind of shit. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I've been a metalhead since forever. You know, my taste of music's been passed down from uh, Brennan. He's, you know, nine years older than me, so he's been through it all and listened to it all and just, you know, passed it down. Um, so, you know, when he's just like, oh, yeah, you want to fucking uh, start a band with me and shit, you know? I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, man, that sounds pretty cool. Let's do it. Um, so, yeah, we kind of, you know, I had my bass, uh, you know, one of those shitty beginner basses um, that have terrible pickups and everything, so started with that and started learning then and you know i played a bit in high school and stuff like that just for music class and everything like that um and uh yeah just yeah fucking uh kept going at it and you know got a taste for it it's great i love it oh brilliant that's awesome all right guys we'll get into a bit more about the album in a bit but first nominations then so two of you so the normal working way of three doesn't quite work uh, do you want to do one each, or does one person want to take one specific category? I reckon let's just do uh, one each. I think that would be fine. Okay, what about, um, as you had the choice, 
video games or books or one one of each which what's your preference there video games for me how about you hargoth yeah video games man i'm a i've got you know my neck beard growing i'm i'm ready for a game <laughs> very good then right give us one then who's uh going to go first give your uh, nomination uh all right i'll start um i'll choose the game that i've probably put more hours in than anything else which would be uh world of warcraft oh my god it's a regular on this show it is a regular <laughs> yep <laughs> Um, I'm, I mean, it seems to pop up all the time, I guess, because it's a guaranteed time sink. If you're going to be in a desert island, you can pretty much spend all the time you want in World of Warcraft. But does your, does your interest in that go back to the very start of when it first appeared back in the day? Hey, absolutely. Like, I started playing, yeah, yeah, when the level cap was 60 and it was actually a challenge. Yeah, that, that's when I started and... Um, I mean, I just grew into the lore, you know. Uh, really, I think the, the pinnacle of it for me was the uh, Wrath of the Lich King expansion, when it's all about Arthas and Frostmourne going north to, you know, the frozen wastelands, that sort of thing. Uh, that was really... And, and the Death Knights, of course, that was my favourite class. So, uh, yeah, that, that was all... That, that'll definitely be the, uh, the pinnacle of my uh, RPG or MMO experiences for sure you still playing nowadays i haven't touched the new expansion um i did play a, a little bit of battle of azeroth i got uh I, i'm a pvp -er, so um i don't really tend to touch the dungeon side of things or the raid side of things too much just because i felt like well a guilds these days they're not the same as they used to be mm. you know they're just ran you know most of them just randomly add people you know like there's no there's no feeling to guilds anymore it's all sort of you're, you're a number if you know what i mean you're a robot uh no no one really cares it's a lot different to the guilds that i used to be a part of back in yeah wrath the lich king Cat cataclysm that sort of era so um, I, I've always been a bit more of a loner, you know, I like going in PvPing, just doing some 2v2 arena and uh, seeing if I can wipe the enemy team out on my own accord or, or, or if I don't, you know, like that was, uh, that was my thrill for the most part, so, yeah. Cool. Good choice. Here we go. What about you then? Uh, well, I guess probably if I had to pick a game, probably Hearthstone. Like, I've been playing that since it's uh, beta. Okay. Um, and, yeah, like, I fucking love it. You know, I've always been a Warcraft nerd, you know. Um, World of Warcraft poster back up on the wall oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I remember, you know, been playing Warcraft since uh, Warcraft 2 on PlayStation 1. Oh, wow. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that, yeah, yeah, that's my era as well, the Dark Saga and uh, Beyond the Portal yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I remember playing that. That was pretty fun. And then Warcraft 3 was fucking amazing. Um, loved the absolute shit out of that. Um, but um, yeah, played World of Warcraft and everything, but Hearthstone's probably where it's at for me. Just, you know, chill card game can, you know, just fucking waste your time on that. You know, no seriousness required. I used to be... Uh, 
like ages ago I used to be like top one percent of players um oh, wow. but it's been a long time since that has happened this was like pr- back when uh when I think maybe had like one expansion like the Naxxramas expansion if you're familiar with Hearthstone at all um and I got right up there in the rankings and all that shit you know uh but in those days the wasn't really much net decking or anything so everyone kind of had to make their own deck you know from their own mind and everything and not just uh make whatever is the best meta at the time and stuff so it was it was easier back then you know and uh there's a lot of cards now and back then i knew every single card and deck off you know the top of my head head you know but uh these days it's uh quite a bit bit different and i'm not as good as i used to be unfortunately yeah yeah the game moves on but you don't (laughs) (laughs) all right gents so when did you first start working on the evil of man um and that journey up until when you first were planning to release it what was it kind of like um it was definitely a lot more simpler back in the day you know uh I uh, I, pr- I primarily do most of the writing, I suppose, and what I mean by that is um, I form a sequence of riffs that mm. I feel works well together, and then I build upon those riffs until I've got a good quality structure that I feel is unique and um, what I consider to be, um, you know, dark dark lore material, I suppose. Uh, I then, at that point, when I'm 100% happy with it, I'll choose a theme. Uh, sometimes the song, I get a feeling from the song that it, you, you know, yeah, the song needs to be about Lord of the Rings, you know, like I'm feeling it needs to be about killing orcs or something, you know, or, uh, you know, or I'll just choose, yeah, uh, whatever I feel might suit the song and then write the lyrics. So. Uh, it's at that point that I take the songs to the rest of the guys, uh, work on the bass, the other guitar, um, and then um, Nerevar on drums and Orgath on keys will sort of write their own sort of parts and uh, you know fill, 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 it, fill it out until it becomes a finished product, I suppose. And um, that's pretty much the way that it's uh, that it's been up until. Well, I suppose we started recording the album in in 2018. Um, We have a very big uh, epic song on the album called Curse of Frostmourne, which is based on Warcraft lore. Mm -hmm. And um, that one took quite a long time to sort of uh, finish as a band. but that that was uh, we were working on that in 2017 and we literally finished that probably about a month maybe two months before we decided to go into the recording studio so yeah um yeah 2018 we recorded the album uh, it wasn't really i can't actually remember when it was um ready for release we we did have a few setbacks like um you know, financially, we had to make sure that we had the resources there to sort of, you know, come up and follow it through. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, yeah. So there were some setbacks there, but uh, yeah, I, I think um, I think by the by the end of 2018, we were pretty much ready for mm. releasing the album. We were just looking at the right opportunity. You know, we wanted to try our best to sort of make sure we're on the right lineup and make sure he gets all the right love and Which that kind of thing. Completely sensible and completely fair. On the album, so is it a matter of of the tracks? There's the earliest stuff you've written as well as the latest stuff you've written. Is it a combination of both? That is a very, very good question. Um, <laughs> Can you remember which one was um, written the earliest? <laughs> yeah, um, I would say for the most part, most of the songs are roughly around the same era. See, it's quite typical for me to write a sequence of riffs, like maybe three or four riffs that really go well together, and then you get stuck with the rest of the song. Okay. And then it lingers for years, and then finally, magically, you, you find that one riff that just sort of brings it all together. There's definitely a couple of songs like that that I had actually written probably a few years before I even started uh, whacking the lineup together. So maybe like 2010 or maybe even older, I, d I don't know. Um, there's definitely a few of those. <laughs> but I'm trying, um, I really, I, I think in terms of my own sort of writing, uh, it is pretty well uniformed for the most part. I don't think listeners would really be able to uh, tell that there's a big difference between something new mm -hmm. that I've written, something very old, you know, like uh, I'm very heavily inspired with um, Iron Maiden and and, um, and also obviously a lot of different sort of melodic black metal, that, that sort of thing. So um, yeah, I, I even if I started, you know, I, I think if I wrote a song five years from now and whacked it on this album, people probably wouldn't be able to pick it apart. That's cool, that's cool. And here we go, so when, it, when it's brought to you then, so you have this shell, so to speak, or these ideas and stuff like that, and it's brought to you and it's, you know, your time to add your bass bits and all that. What's your process kind of like in regards to that? Oh man, I'm a bass player. So, you know, I just do what my older brother tells me. <laughs> 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 oh that's good that's very funny um i've, I've added nothing to this uh first album but you know album two i've got a couple of juicy riffs i wrote but uh this first album that's all brandon <laughs> that's cool that's cool i mean i love one of the things i love about the album is it base it it starts to get systematically longer it's like you get into the end of it and you talked already obviously about the epic the uh, finale of the album and it was a bit of a shock from my eyes was like okay right near the end oh god it's 15 minutes <laughs> this is going to be something um so i do love that you were i guess brave enough to end your album with that as well yeah i um i guess i just sort of i i guess i sort of came up with that from i guess just other albums that i've sort of listened to in the past um there's, there's been sort of like I've noticed that there's a lot of um, bands out there that typically save that sort of epic finale uh, towards the end, I think. Um, I bet, but 
um, not just because of the length of the song, but I think it's the most complex song on the album as well. And um, if there was one song on the album that would uh, drive us all to the next level, um, that's definitely the song. So, yeah, I think every element that exists in Dark Law definitely shines in that one song. Okay, that's cool. Is Considering the themes and the style of music and all that, is that a sum of all members' kind of tastes as well? Like, do you all share very, the same interests in music or is like one of you big time into R&B or rap or something like that? Uh, Goth, did you want to answer this one? Yeah, um, sure. Um, yeah, we're all pretty much musically like the same, eh? Like, uh, which I think really works well with the band because, you know, we all have a very similar taste for music. I think, you know, our keyboardist is probably the most different taste and that's probably, he's more influenced by melodic death metal and stuff like that and, uh, you know, symphonic death metal and just that kind of uh, style where uh, the rest of us are more on the black metal side. So that's basically the biggest difference with our musical tastes. But, um, you know, so there's not really much difference. So it's pretty cruisy and pretty easy to get along. With yeah, that. there's no argument over the stereo who's putting what CD on then, yeah? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. man. It's pretty cruisy. <laughs> okay, guys, right. Next nomination then. So this is the horror movie section. As say, keep it in horror if you can. Although we have had Scooby-Doo previously, so don't worry too much about what your choice is. But yeah, one horror movie then. Who wants to go first? I need a little bit of time to probably think about this one. Hargoth, do you have an answer at the moment or do you want me to get it? Uh, yeah, you go first, man. My bass player brain needs time to process this. <laughs> While you're thinking it, I guess, I mean, are you both horror movie fans? Because we always kind of make the presumption that everybody is or at least should be, but are you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I like something that uh, uh, terrifies the crap out of me. Really, um, I tend to I go I go for more of the sort of the, the the ghost movies or anything with like aliens. I'm obsessed with uh, aliens, so um, you know any kind of like alien abduction sort of movies or anything. Uh, yeah, that's right up my alley, you know. Um, oh, banging, banging. So I gotta ask then, what was the last movie that you can remember that you generally felt a bit creeped out or scared by? Um, I don't know if um, I would have been scared of it per se, uh, but one that I felt really was well done. Jeez, I can't remember the name of it. Maybe you can help me out here. Alien abduction movie where it's sort of done in the um, the the handheld camera mode. Right. Not the light. Was it was it to do with a, was it like to do with the Phoenix lights or anything like that? Oh God! Because found footage alien abduction. There's a few out there. Seen a fair bit. Pod and stuff like that. And I'm thinking of like Phoenix Forgotten and movies like that. Jeez, was it? No, it's not Dark Skies. That's a different one. But I think Dark Skies was really good from memory. And there's another one, found footage, alien, horror one. I think it's literally just called Abduction. Just called Abduction. That might be the one. 
yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, pr I'm pretty sure it was uh, just a very generic sort of movie title like that. Yeah, I'm pretty but, sure. Like, um, the guy, the probably kid... the last one. Yeah, that I've watched that I thought was really, I, I thought was done really well. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Here we go. What about your taste? Where does your taste lie? Um. Yeah. I, I don't mind horror movies, but a lot of them, you know, I just can't vibe with. Uh, like for me, there's got to be good acting and good effects and stuff. And I think with uh, a lot of horror movies, they're made uh, on the cheaper side of things. And you know, I, I don't really get scared by movies. You know, I haven't really felt scared or get you know a any kind of rush from watching them since you know I've been a child. Mm. Uh, you know, so they kind of lost that effect in me. So a lot of them to me just kind of seems like boring you know poorly done gore um so i don't know like last movie i don't know i, I think uh like 28 days later that was that was yeah. all right you know just all right <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, no, it's all right you know <laughs> i think uh as far as horror movies goes that's one of probably the better ones i watched that recently with the missus um, that was great Yes, yeah. great snapshot of uh, London and the UK. Even more so now that obviously we're pandemic stricken <laughs> over here as well. It really, really fits the vibe. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, that. Um, I don't know. Uh, what else have I watched recently? Um, shit, I can't even remember, man. <laughs> Still need one minute, guys. Give me one movie that you're gonna bring to this island. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, a movie. Uh. Okay, on on the zombie um, topic, then I really thought that the the Rec or REC yeah. series was really really good. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I'd be keen to watch that again right now. So let's pick that. The obviously you're talking about the original Spanish um, version. Have you seen the remake, the American remake that was called Quarantine, the shot for shot remake? Yeah, and I think they did that really really well. Overall, I just maybe it's a sense because I watched the the original uh, first, the this Spanish version first. I thought that was probably if I had to pick between the two, that would be where I would go. Oh yeah, I mean, one hundred percent agree. I, I love the movies. I love the sequels. Um, in fact, like Wreck, the original Wreck has like one of my all-time favorite scares in it, like frightening moments. So completely, and I'm, I'm a zombie nut, so I completely understand why that one. Irogoth, what about you? Have you got have you got a movie now? Um, if it can be any movie, you know, have to go with the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> no, uh, horror movies. Yeah, I don't know about that one, man. Like, uh, so I just can't really think of horror movies that have really just stood out to me, you know, since you know I've been a child or been you know a lot younger. Like, I, I watched Routine not too long ago for my missus as well, eh? Uh, that's all right. Hmm. Um, but what about the classics? Yeah. Uh, what about the kind of the classics that exist? You know, the ones that the Halloweens, the, the Nightmare on Elm Streets, the Friday the Thirteenth. Is that is any of that appealing? Uh, I'm I'm not really a fan of slasher movies. eh? they're just predictable kind of thing. It's just I don't know. I can't get invested in the story, and then I find a lot of the way people die in those movies just funny. You know, it's just the acting's so fucking terrible. You just have to. <laughs> look at it. You're a tough nut to crack here. I'm gonna break it down. What about what about 
what are the torture porn styles? Saw, hostile, that kind of thing? Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> that, that's the same with me. It's just kind of like senseless gore. It's like, oh, the, the storyline is, you know, bad person got, got me in a room. Now there's lots of blood. That's the movie. That's basically it. And it, it just doesn't vibe with me. There's no story I can get invested in. Most of the characters, you know, they, they they just don't portray themselves well. So, you know, even even if you watch the whole movie and then the character dies, you feel nothing because, you know, you can't get emotionally invested in the character because they're just they're just done bad. I don't know. I know oh, they're just not my style. Man, a harsh critic. You know what though? I was thinking as you're talking, we're going like, let's move on from this. So let's just say, you know what, Lord of the Rings. Let's say the Fellowship of the Ring. It has some violence, it has some people getting killed. That's horror-based. Let's roll with that. You can have the Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not Spiegel. Spiegel's what? scaring. There you go. Yeah, two towers. Or twin, uh, the two oh. towers. Yeah, that will roll. Um, I mean, oh. one, yeah, in, in Rivendell, when Bilbo used to pull that like face in the Fellowship, uh, that used to scare the shit out of me because <laughs> I was six years old when that first came out, you know? Um, and my older brother, Brennan, he'd be a prick and pause it on that scene. So, you know, <laughs> you'll remember, Brennan, that's why I hit you in the nuts. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, we've already touched upon it. Then the album is steeped in this in fantasy. Some obviously more obvious than others. You know, you obviously have themes relating to Lord of the Rings. We have Game of Thrones, their stuff, World of Warcraft. Where does the in interest in these subjects actually come from? Is it something you've both kind of just grown up loving? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, I sort of found my own way there, I think, because my parents, I definitely didn't get it from them. And it started for me when I was as young as I can remember, you know, like I would be the kid that was sort of daydreaming about dragons and epic kind of battles and anything I saw that I thought was maybe because it was just so different to what's what's in this world maybe that's what pulled me into it all you know and I just grew with it you know I grew with it and uh, I probably influenced Hargoth a fair bit with that too I'm not sure yet just started from when I was really really young um, and, and I think, you know, um, I think probably part of it too was, uh, was definitely Iron Maiden. I, I remember when I was very, very young, maybe four years old, I would, uh, go visit over to my uh, uncle's house and, um, he never had it playing, but his house was, uh, decked out with Iron Maiden posters, you know? And um, it wasn't scary to me. It was intriguing. It was uh, mysterious. It was mystical. I just felt my, I, I could, you know, I, I spent a lot of time just sort of staring at that artwork and sort of just getting captured, you know, by it. And um, I think between that and um, wherever I got like dragons and, you know, that sort of thing from, I think those sort of two things sort of just shaped my interests and um, I found myself just sort of getting through life not really sort of being really interested in anything else that everyone else sort of was around me you know I felt sort of like 
yeah like I was the only one you know so uh, when it comes to playing music and uh, and dark law it's uh, I guess it's the the artistic release of those things that captivated me throughout my my life I suppose I mean it's a wealth of inspiration you know of course as you know you're not alone in in our genre metal of fantasy stuff influences i mean look at the likes of say blind guardian a band that made an entire album based around uh, the somali and stuff like that um so i guess the limits on what you can write going forward and things like that is basically what your own imagination can conjure up from those influences exactly yeah that that's the one thing i do really appreciate about metal is there's no no boundaries for say you can do anything you want you know yeah and it was mentioned here off did 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 it have a lot of influence on your interest in it as well uh yeah i definitely say so you know my interest had to come from somewhere Hmm. and i know being a little kid you know uh six years old when the first lord of the rings movie came out and you know i was fucking addicted to them and watch all those you know religiously um turned me into a fucking massive nerd and then you know playing all the uh playstation one games i remember like playing medieval the uh gold dude you know sword and shit being like man i fucking love swords and knights and everything like that just you know (laughs) having a blast of that kind of shit so kind of really morphed me into a nerd you know um and now you know i play D and i larp and stuff you know uh so it's fucking you know you larp yeah yeah, uh, our LARP group's actually based on our band, our original law songs that we've written. Uh, we wear our stage gear for our fucking LARP group and uh, got other followers and shit, you know, they dress like us and everything like that. So it's great. We're called the Dark Horde. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's pretty good, you know. It's fucking uh, got, made, made a lot of good friends through, through LARPing and shit like that. And, you know, it's... Uh, most LARPers, you know, tend to listen to metal because, you know, every nerd, you know, listens to metal. So <laughs> it's interesting you know. it turned out the way it did then, because I mean, it's like almost my, my uh, presumption. Oh well, you laugh and you like fantasy. You must play folk metal, and you know that's not quite the case, of course. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely you know the, the black metal is what does it for us. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, incredible. Incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm very jealous because in the UK, that sort of thing just does not really happen. Or if it does, it is incredibly buried in the underground. Yeah, yeah. Some of the LARP groups around the place, you know, they're, uh, they're in, in some countries, they're just not as prevalent as others. Like I know in, in Australia, it's not overly big, but uh, we're pretty, um, for what we do have, we're pretty lucky to have um, LARPing communities like we do and such high effort LARPing communities as well. You know, you get some uh, really realistic uh, looking outfits and everything like that. Yeah. I know in America, they're very low end and, you know, they use pool noodles and stuff like that. <laughs> where, you know, we use, you know, proper looking swords and replica shit. You know, it's it's pretty cool over here. So um, it's wonderful. That's absolutely yeah. wonderful. <laughs> So after obviously, you know, the fantasies kind of things, I came up with two specific things that I wanted to ask your opinions on. Controversial 
uh, opinion, so to speak, and it's about two specific sets. Well, one a film and one a show, isn't it? One a film and one a show. So, Lord of the Rings fans, thoughts on the Hobbit trilogy then? Like or don't? Um, yeah, okay. Um, I, you know what? I, I really appreciate the Hobbit trilogy. Um, solely because it's more content that I thought that I'd probably never ever see. Um, and you, you know, Gandalf is my all-time favorite character. He's in that. I'm, I'm pretty happy. Uh, I know, I know a lot of people sort of, um, maybe thought that it was a bit corny compared to, you know, the originals. Um, and, and I, I can see that. I mean, I think some of the CGI probably could have been a little bit better. It would have been better if they just did it the same way as, mm. um, yeah, the, the original three. But at the end of the day, still really, really enjoyed it. I, I will rewatch those movies probably a hundred times. But I mean, they're probably nothing. I, I mean, they're, they're great. They're great, but I will always just prefer the original Lord of the Rings if I were to have to sort of choose between them. No, that's fair, that's fair. Ergoff, what about you? Thoughts? Yeah, um, I mean, they're, they're kids' movies, you know? Uh, the, the Hobbits are made for kids, where Lord of the Rings is, you know, a bit more of a mature audience, I think. Um, as far as a kids' movie goes, you know, not bad, but <laughs> it. Yeah, they're just they're just not as good, man. Like, uh, I feel like if they did them the same way that they did the Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, they they would have been absolutely fucking amazing, just as good, you know, um, just as fucking amazing. But they, um, you know, I, I understand the Hobbit was really a kids book, mm. and they kind of made it as a reflection of that, but they could have made it a bit. You know more adult especially when it comes to like the goblins and the orcs and stuff like those white orcs would just kind of shit and the goblins like the goblin cleaver kind of shit you know it was just not nah it was just it was just it was kind of fucking cringe man it was kind of cringe you know and that it's it's you know it's it's a disappointment it was a disappointment it's like hard to talk to Lord of the Rings fans about it because it's that thing where you're like you don't really want to say nothing too negative about it because ultimately it is more content and it is from Tolkien but only you know chalk and cheese yeah. right <laughs> that, that's it it's like in one hand it's like they're following the aspect of you know it was a kid's book so they're making it more kid friendly on the other hand the Lord of the Rings movies were just like such a fucking masterpiece. Mm. You know, the acting was 10 out of 10. Everything about those movies, 10 out of 10. The orcs, fucking everything was just done perfectly. And then you're like, oh, hell yeah, The Hobbit, more Lord of the Rings movies. And then you're, you're in the cinema and you finish watching it and you're like, well, shit, that's <laughs> a disappointment. <laughs> Okay, then the other one, the other one, and probably more widely derided, final season of Game of Thrones, if you've seen it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, okay, I'll, uh, I'll start with this one then. Um, yes, so I, uh, David and Dan, the half-done Harrys. <laughs> 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 
I, you know, I, um, I, I appreciate them for um, doing what they did because uh, the first, I would say, maybe definitely the first three seasons of Game of Thrones is definitely the best television anyone would ever ever watch in their whole life, and the next couple were great over as well. Um, yeah, when they sort of got off of script, when they surpassed George and his writing, and they probably had to do a little bit more of the creative sort of work is probably when they got a little bit lazy with it. Um, and the, the quality, the overall quality of the show, when they started chopping those seasons down, was just going down and down and down. And um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I think I think it definitely deserves a remake and not just the final season, but probably the, the last two seasons definitely need a remake. Um, I think George probably deserves better than that, you know? He's, he's amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, what they, look, I get it. They wanted their lives back, right? They, they wanted their lives back. They wanted the... A bit off more than they could chew, really. Um, and, and I respect them for for what they gave us because they did give us the best television in the world. But I think <laughs> I think they should have executed it perfectly all the way to the end. That that's my opinion, anyway. You're like a politician with some of your answers and how you're dancing around the uh, subject there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because. I mean, I, I really love the show, you know, like it's been a big inspiration and influence, uh, obviously, you know. And, um, and I would go around telling everyone Game of Thrones is the best thing, you know, like I was saying that to people year after year, you know. <laughs> um, so, so it is very uh, much a uh, kick in the nuts, the, the, the last season. <laughs> And of course, Guanam, what's uh, what's your thoughts on Aragorn? Um, well, pr probably pretty similar to Brennan's. Uh, uh, like, you know, I read the first five books. I was pretty happy with, you know, those first um, few seasons. You know, like obviously there's some changes they have to make to transfer it to TV show, and you know that, that everything kind of turned out fine for those first few seasons I was really fucking happy with them uh, and you know the next couple of seasons it's it was all right you know um, can't can't complain about them they're they're all right and then um yeah those seasons where they just kind of cut them short and I guess yeah surpassed George's writing uh, they kind of they, they kind of just fucked it. it like straight up they just fucked it like I'm not happy. I'm not happy with the last season. Mm. There was just so many fucking dodgy episodes. So much shit that was just rushed. Like they could have done better. Um, and they had all the money to do better, you know. Oh it was yeah, the yeah. Highest paid show in the world, or whatever. You know, they definitely could have done something better. But um, they just kind of rushed it, and you know, just I guess wanted to get on. With, yeah, like uh, like what Brennan said, with the rest of their lives or whatever. But you know, there's just the last season, especially. Like, I'm not, I'm not upset about the ending. 
Like, I understand the ending. I get it, and that's probably how it's going to turn out in George's books. Mm. Um, but there's there's things like uh, that episode that they did at nearly fucking, um, like, where it's very dark or whatever. Um, oh, the, yeah, the, 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 Night, the Night King one, the episode. Yeah, the Night that, King yeah. one. Yeah, like, you couldn't see fucking shit, you know? And it's just like, I understand the reasoning of them making it dark, but man, like, just turn the brightness up a little bit. You know, I want to be able to see something, you know? If you're watching it during the day and some glare comes through the fucking window, you can't see shit. You have to wait till nighttime to actually be able to make anything out. It's like, why would you do that? Why would you fuck us like this, man? You know? They just kind of fucked us. They fucked the fans. Um, And then, you know, the... Like going on in the season and, and the, the the battle where you're like, oh shit, here we go, Night King and Jon Snow finally gonna fucking fight, and then he gets cucked out of the fight, man. And we've been like waiting since season one for this shit to happen. You know, you you know what's coming. You're just like they're building the shit up for it, and then they're just like, Lamau, no. And it's like, all right. Alright, I see what you guys are doing. You're just kind of telling the whole audience and every single fan of the show to get fucked. But, you know, that's how it goes, I guess. Um, Don't sugarcoat it, man. Oh, man. Fuck. <laughs> Fucking trolled me, eh? Like, you sparked the anger again. You sparked <laughs> it up. Like... Well, then, um... we might get it repaired if George ever writes or finishes the books, you know, eventually. <laughs> Hopefully. I can read the books and be happy. I'm sure the books will be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. The, the last season, like, um, it was just bad. The last episode, you know, um, spoiler alert, I guess, you know, Brand coming, uh, being on the Iron Front Throne and stuff like that. I was pretty happy with that outcome. It makes sense, you know. Mm. Jon Snow getting, you know, sent back to the north, you know. Yeah, chill, you know, all right. It kind of didn't really make sense because the the dudes that you know got angry at him for doing the whole shit and the reason he got exiled ended up leaving Westeros anyway but you know whatever that's chill that's cool um you know the way Daenerys uh kind of went batshit crazy you know I could I could definitely see that whole thing happening you know um you know through the first seasons and everything she's being praised you know like the savior of everything and you know getting a big head from being praised by all these slaves and everything and thinking she's top shit and then coming to Westeros and being like, oh damn, no one really gives a shit, you know. I suppose it would send someone mental. Um, but, you know, it's chill. They just could have done a lot better with it, you know. I feel like we uh, I feel like we could probably do a couple of hours on the entire Game of Thrones TV series slash book. Um, so let's try and move on. <laughs> Records, so you've got to choose one. Somehow you have to choose one album or an EP from your taste to take. Good luck with this one. Who wants to take it first? Uh, easily for me. Uh, seventh Son of a Seventh Son by Iron Maiden. Wow, okay. Is that is is that the first Maiden album you ever heard? No, no. Um, no, I actually found Iron Maiden uh, back in the days of Audio Galaxy. Um, just downloading sort of random songs from from this and that, but I just um, listening to it's it's a concept album. So um, listening to the album start to finish, how every song really flows 
just into the next song very, very well. You know, like um, the the harder thing for me would be to choose my favorite song from that album because I think they're all 10 out of 10. And uh, I, I don't say that very often about many albums at all, uh, but, but that album in particular, yep, absolutely, 10 out of 10, uh, it, I can't really, the only album, other album that might come close would yet again be uh, um, Somewhere in Time from, from Iron Maiden, their prior album. So, uh, yeah, it's an easy one for me. Fascinating choice because when people choose Maiden albums and say like the best or in this, the Seventh Son of the Seventh Son isn't, isn't, isn't the one that comes that kind of comes up. Maybe Power Slave is one of the other ones that comes up more often than Seventh. Yeah, um, Power Slave is definitely up there, and um, I I wouldn't disagree. It, it's a great album, and um, in so many ways, like uh, yeah, I I would almost rate every song on that album five out of five as well. Probably the only one that I wouldn't is maybe Two Minutes to Midnight, and maybe that's just because I've heard it Over a million time. times. Um, maybe, but but you know, I think for me, what Seventh Son has is the, uh, you know, the the, the atmosphere, right? Because they use like synthesizers and sort of that that sort of approach, and um, I felt like it gave it another sort of mystical layer. I could I just get sucked into the album so much more than than any other Iron Maiden album, uh, despite. Uh, you know, virtually every album that Bruce was on is incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you can't, you can't at least in their classic area, you can't really pick. You, you don't really have a wrong pick, you know, like any of them are fantastic. But for me, yeah, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, definitely, definitely the best. Fascinating. Aragoth, go on, what's your choice? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. Like, uh, picking a favorite album, man. I don't know if I can even do that, eh? <laughs> like, uh, shit, man. Uh, I don't think I could even do, like, a top five. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, I, I think some 10 out of 10 albums that come to mind. Um, no particular order, like, <laughs> Satanist from Behemoth. I think that album was fucking amazing. I love the shit out of that. Um, shit. Oh, fuck. The first four albums by Sonata Artica. I think they were fucking flawless. Wow. Um, Definitely agree with that. A lot of a lot of Iron Maiden albums. My favorite Maiden album would probably be Brave New World. Oh, he said. Oh my God, dude. Uh, that's <laughs> mine too. Mine too. It was the first Maiden album I, I heard because when I moved to this country, I'm not actually English. I'm Irish, and I moved over here about 12:13, and I bought a few records first of a time, and it was like Marilyn Manson, "Smells Like Children," and a single which was "Out of the Silent Planet" off Brave New World, and from that I got Brave New World, and that was my first taste of Maiden. So yeah, completely agree with that one. Great yeah, choice. <laughs> fucking amazing album, eh? Amazing yeah, yeah. album. Um, yeah, that one. Shit. Um. Fucking uh, Sons of Northern Darkness um, from Immortal, you know that that's a solid album. Love the fuck out of that. Um, you know, uh, growing up, 
one of my favorite albums was um enthroned darkness triumphant from dimu Borgir. yeah you know back when i was younger i used to you know that that album fucking slapped man um mm. These days, I've grown a bit more away from Demu, but you know, back in the day, that that album has a you know special spot in my heart. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, the Dusk and Embrace by Cradle of Filth. That album, same thing. Uh, grew away from Cradle, but you know, that they were the first band of harsh vocals I listened to. That has you know, that has a special place in the heart. Well, great. Um, fuck. There's there's so many good too many albums, man. That like. I could just go on. It's just like I think of a band and I'm like, fuck, man, I do love that album. You know, I try to like, if every song I listen to on the album, you know, and I don't skip anything, I think that's just, you know, fucking, you know, it's great. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I can't pick a favorite, eh? There's a no. lot. There's just too many. <laughs> that's cool. We got a little bit of insight into uh, your tastes anyway, so we'll move on. So, guys, come to the end now. And of course, you've already mentioned you have an album launch show directly after the release of the album. First off, massively jealous to even see that. We don't have live shows here anymore. No, that's it, England screwed. So, um, plug it, basically. Where is it taking place? What's the plan? Are you looking forward to it? Absolutely, like, I mean, yeah, like we sort of said earlier, this is the third time the launch show has been rescheduled. Um, yeah, we're really, really looking forward to it. It's uh, happening, uh, yeah, this Saturday. So Saturday the 30th at the Brightside, which is in the Valley, um, Brisbane. And um, yeah, we, we've got Grimhild on the lineup. They're a uh, folk metal band, amazing. And um, Symbolic Weapon, who are definitely heavier than us. So. Uh, that's they're great as well, and then uh, yeah, we're playing our entire album, mm. and um, I expect probably a couple of us to die on stage doing ah. it, <laughs> but it's going to be amazing. So if there's no other reason to come along to our album launch, come along to see us die on stage. Give us that. <laughs> Generally, guys, the best of luck of it. Really, really sounds amazing. I'm incredibly jealous. Now, something a little bit deeper and uh, hoping you can offer some insight into it. We've asked it to a few Aussie bands in the past and let's see what you think. So the scene is far brighter, if not localized, but far brighter than the outside world kind of realizes, I think. When people think of Australian rock and metal, they think of the big boys, your ACDCs, your Rose Tattoos, maybe your Airborns and things like that. That's kind of what is associated with Australia, sun, rock and roll. Why do you think it is, at least from your perspective, that so many bands, I guess, struggle to kind of break out and become a more worldwide name? Who wants to have a go with that one? Uh, yeah, Hargoth, take, take it away. Um, I think uh, a lot of it is due to us having such a small scene. Mm. Um, especially in the metal world, I can't say about rock music um you know hard rock or anything i don't know what that seems like but as far as metal goes the scene is small you know everyone that's in the scene um everyone there has seen your band for the most part um you know it's it's there there's there's a few kind of outsiders in the scene you know it's like friends of friends they do listen to metal but you know they're not 
you know, they don't show up to the shows unless their friends' bands are playing kind of thing. Um, so a lot of it is kind of trying to pull those people in. Um, and then as far as, uh, as far as like, uh, you know, uh, metal gigs go, um, it's, it's, it's the same, same faces you see, um, which, you know, I've got no complaint about that. You know, everyone in the metal scene, uh, at least in Brisbane, I can't speak for the other states in Brisbane, they're, you know, fucking cool as hell people, you know, it's, it's literally like a fucking family. I don't think there's a safer place you could be in Brisbane than a metal gig. Um, I've never seen shit go down there, you know, like I've, I can count like, uh, a handful of incidences that might be a bit, you know, a bit unfortunate and not in the right kind of spirit that I've witnessed, but you know, the, the crew for the most part's like a family. Everyone kind of supports each other. Um, everyone's tight knit. It's just, there's not a lot of people. And then actually getting outside of Australia, it's like a, a lot of bands, they, I guess they just don't have the drive. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard being a band. You got to find the right people. You know, you, you got to get along with everyone in the band. You got to kind of have a similar interest in the music. You got to be willing to put 110% effort in. And uh, I think that's where a lot of bands fall apart is not all the members are on the same page as each other. I think that's the biggest, uh, biggest killer of it. Like um, there's been quite a few bands that I've seen that are, that, that are local that I'm like, oh yeah, man, like these guys, they keep going at it. They're gonna fucking, they're gonna be big. They're gonna make it international. And then, you know, a year later or however long later they end up splitting up and you're like, that's just such a wasted opportunity. Yeah. But um, shit, like one of the bands I think could have made it massive was a band called uh, Alpine Fault. Um, you know, they were local and they were just absolutely fucking amazing, but they ended up splitting up and it's just like, it's a disappointment because, you know, I've, I've loved that first album they did and it's just like, I'm never going to hear a second album from them. Um, I think they could have made it big. Um, locally, currently, uh, a band called Valhalla, I think they're going to make it, you know, pretty big. I think they're definitely going to be, you know, the next big uh, band from Brisbane anyway um, that gets out there. Um, you know, the, the, they definitely have their live performance down pat. Um, and everything so i think they're gonna do extremely well um there's you know a handful of other bands that i think could definitely make it out there they just need uh the spotlight shown on them from you know outside of the country and getting that is in itself is you know kind of an achievement yeah um we don't have many big metal festivals over here mm. um so really getting in there you know it's it's hard we have you know like like our local promoter uh, promoters you know they they do great they do definitely what they can but there's no uh, at least in brisbane there's there's no big gigs where it's like say you know you get uh, a couple of international bands in that you know everyone's gonna come out of the woods to see you know those those ones that don't go to the like uh, to the local shows um go there and um 
you know, they don't have the support slots on that for a festival or whatever. So a lot of bands are missing out on gaining those extra fans and building up their fan base that way. Um, uh, I think, uh, yeah, it's just, I can only speak for Brisbane, um, yeah. but Brisbane is, yeah, it's, it's a it's a big family. It's just, you know, it's, it's just, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity to actually make it big. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could I, with, I just, um, could I, could I add in there that, um, I think it's like, uh, just, just kind of lack of support in a sense that, um, not not from the people that are already here showing showing support, but more so, uh, Australia is just so spread out that, um, you know, it doesn't really matter what sort of gig you put on; it's really hard to to get good numbers. And um, and, and for local bands, you know, you you might play a show on a Saturday or whatever, wherever you might only get. You know, the promoter might only be able to afford to pay the band, say, $50, $100, right? Um, despite everyone's hardest efforts to promote it and despite sometimes gaining a good crowd, it's just not enough to really give any sort of financial support for, for your average, uh, you know, local band. Um, and even for the bigger bands that do have, say, four albums out, um, you know, and get booked for like a festival in a different state, they might get like $2,000 or $3,000 to play there. But when you take in the consideration of flights, hotels, all the other expenses, they come back not really making anything unless they've sold a good amount of merch. And that's not always guaranteed. So you, you don't have um, in Australia a lot of support uh, and that's just, I think, solely because of lack of numbers where I know there's other countries out there, you know, like, I mean, for Japan, for example, where, you know, I've been over to, there's um, so many people in, you know, very close proximity that you can put on a show there and you're guaranteed to, you know, just sell out basically, you know, like, like it's a very, very strong scene. Um, because they do really get, get involved in, in music over there, but but sheer numbers as well. Uh, I, I think, you know, in, in America, it, it was definitely the same thing when I had visited over there, you know, the sheer numbers sort of shows, um, you know, greater support for those local bands. You know, there's more people there. You're able to sell more of your merch, generally speaking, uh, you know, you make more from, from the events, um, but, but in Australia, uh, we're we're really really spread out, and um, there, there's no support. So, um, you know, for a lot of people, you know, your band has to be, you know, your recreational activity. It has to be a hobby because you can't you, you can't have it be your full time career because it's oh, not going to pay the bills. And um, I think that's where a lot of it sort of falls apart too, because people can't afford to. Put in that drive if you know what i mean yeah 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 you know you, you got to work a job so you're going to kind of be focused on that as well as much as your family and things like that sometimes you can't put as much effort in elsewhere you know it's an interesting yeah. kind of uh difference say somewhere like the uk where the scene is quite lively and quite full and the problem is is that there's so many bands vying for such little space 
that the choice is too much and you fall by the wayside that way. It's like the opposite side of your problem. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's very interesting. So rest of 2021 then, what's a, what's a realistic goal that you'd like to reach by the end of this year for the band? A uh, realistic goal I'd like to have um, basically some, some new material out there for people. Okay. You know, um, people have been um, supporting us for yeah a very, very long time now. They've heard the same songs played live for quite a while. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to just releasing some, some new stuff out there and uh, just overall general progression with uh with our second album okay uh, that, that's yeah that's pretty very, much very it from yeah. there we go what about you have you got a uh, realistic goal you would like to see the band reach this year uh yeah i guess just uh nail into new tracks really i think you know there's not gonna be uh, many opportunities for gigs this year like the gigs are still happening um they're just kind of spread out um and there is there's probably not it, it's kind of hard to say if there's going to be you know uh gigs where there's going to be you know big interstate bands because uh, a lot of the bigger bands in australia are from new south wales and melbourne uh kind of stuff um Ooh. so the I think a realistic goal would probably just be laying into new tracks that way, you know, when the, whenever our next gig is or whenever things go back into full swing, we have, you know, a new set, we can just divvy out to the fans because our fans, man, they're, they're loyal, like yeah. they're so loyal. Amazing. Guys, there's one more thing before you go. There's an extra nomination we do at the end that we don't tell you about beforehand. It is very much off the top of your head. And basically you both get one choice each. And what you get to take is something you think you cannot live without. The only caveat is you cannot choose a person and you cannot choose a pet because everyone does that. So don't do that. But one thing you think you can't live without that you would have to take with you. To the desert island, eh? Aye. Oh, yeah, tough. Very, very tough. Um, hmm. And most musicians start reaching for their instruments. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm just thinking, yeah, probably, probably my guitar because I think, uh, yeah, at least I definitely have a creative uh, outlet then, you know, a release. So that, that, well, I was just not. I didn't want to say that because I thought that's probably the go-to answer for most people. But I mean, ultimately, what else would you choose? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Here we go. Are you going to choose your bass or you got something else? I would like to pick my Dark Magician Girl anime waifu pillow. <laughs> 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 All those lonely nights, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, new album, The Evil of Man, out on the January 29th, 2021. We have been talking to Dark Lord. Gents, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. 
No problem. Thank you so much for uh, having us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for the interview. It's been good. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on GBHBell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash GBHBL as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal. What else is life for?